If you have your Bible, let's turn again to the Old Testament. And this afternoon we're going to be looking at the book of Lamentations. The Lamentations of Jeremiah. And uh, we're going to read just one uh, segment of this aloud. And we'll be going back and looking at several other passages uh, within the book of the Lamentations. We're going to read aloud from, Jer- from uh, Lamentations 3, the Lamentations of Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. And so let me invite you as you're able, let's stand together in honor of the reading and the hearing of God's word. Again, I'm reading from Lamentations 3, where the prophet uh, faithfully records, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. May God bless today once again the reading and the hearing of his word. And let us join again in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, indeed, we can say with thy prophet that thy mercies are new every morning. Uh, You are great in faithfulness. When we are faithless, you are faithful. And we give thee thanks today for once again putting the word before us, for for providing, first of all, the, the, the men who were driven by the Holy Spirit and then those who faithfully uh, 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 transmitted and and copied this word and then those who translated it for us you have kept your word pure in all ages and you have given it to us now we ask for the illumination of the holy spirit so that we might only be able to read the words on the page but also that we would encounter thee and that we would we would hear O god thy voice uh, speaking to us even as uh, adam and eve heard thy voice in the garden We ask this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. And you may be seated. So we're continuing today this brief uh, series of what I've called biographical studies of the great writing prophets. And thus far, we gave attention to the life of Isaiah. And then we surveyed the book of Isaiah. You might remember that we noted that Isaiah... It's kind of like a miniature Bible. Uh, it has some 66 chapters uh, reflecting the 66 books of the Christian scriptures. And then last time in this series, we looked at the life of the prophet Jeremiah. And uh, we noted that he is sometimes referred to as the weeping prophet uh, because of the various passages where uh, we're told that he that he was crying, that he was weeping at the sin of his own people and their, their hardness of heart, their stiffness of neck. And he, he was weeping at the punishment that he knew would come upon them, the exile uh, that the people of God would have to endure. Well, today uh, we want to um, continue our look at the prophet Jeremiah by looking at one of the often neglected parts of Scripture that have traditionally been attributed to the prophet Jeremiah. We 
We spoke quite a bit last time about the book of Jeremiah. And today we want to give our attention to the book of Lamentations. Or as the authorized version titles it, the Lamentations of Jeremiah. And you may well know that a lament uh, is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And so when we, when we offer up a lament, we might offer up a cry of sadness at some grief, at some loss. And literarily, a lament refers to a particular kind of literature that expresses deep grief or sorrow. And there are various laments that we find within the scriptures. We find several laments in the Psalms, for example. Psalm 13 uh, is one such psalm of lament as it begins, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? And so uh, one of the beautiful things about the Psalms is they... They address so many aspects of our lives. You know, sometimes people think to be a Christian, you've got to put a a cardboard cutout smile on your face. And and some of this comes from the health, wealth and prosperity gospel. But really, when you look at the Psalms, the beauty of them is they express the whole range of the human experience. And sometimes we are happy and we we feel blessed and we're praising God and we're we're riding on the high hills But then sometimes we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we have to deal with hardships in our lives, griefs, losses and lonelinesses. And the beautiful thing about not only the Psalms, but all the scriptures is they address all of our experience in life. There's no experience we have that doesn't come under the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign over our happiness. Our, our moments of greatest joy, but he's also sovereign over our moments of greatest sadness, uh, our, our, our moments when um, we are despairing, uh, even of life itself. We saw that in Jeremiah, didn't we, last time? That one time, even the prophet said uh, he wished maybe that he had never even been born. And that, that showed really the depths to which he had fallen. So, uh, There are lamentations within the scriptures, but the book of Lamentations is unique in that it is the only book in the Bible that is composed exclusively of lamentations. So the whole book, all five chapters, is filled with lamentations. And just as uh, Psalm 13, 1 begins with that question, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? although it's a slightly different term in Hebrew, that, uh, that word how, uh, an expression of dismay, is a term that is repeated throughout the book of Lamentations. In fact, uh, it's there as the very first word of the book. If you look at chapter 1 and verse 1, how doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How did this happen? Sometimes you might look at your life. You might look at a difficult circumstance and say, how did this happen? How did God allow this to be? How uh, did did this person who had been my friend and I trusted betray me? How did this happen? And you see it there also in chapter 2 
and verse 1. How hath the Lord covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger and cast down from heaven into the earth the beauty of Israel and remembered not his footstool in the day of his anger. And it's there also in Lamentations 4 and verse 1. How is the gold become dim? Have you ever looked at the things in your life that once you, you prized and you thought were precious and then you go through a time of despair and the thing that was gold, it, it's, it, it grows dim and it, it no longer holds the, the, um, the, the attention and the affection, uh, the beauty that it once held within your eyes. And so uh, this, this book is uh, fittingly, again, uh, filled with these lamentations, including these outbursts, these expressions of dismay, these howls. Um, some have called the book of Lamentations a funeral dirge or a requiem. And when it says it's funeral or requiem, what it's lamenting is the destruction of the southern kingdom of Judah and more particularly the destruction of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the key city, the city of David, uh, the key city in the southern kingdom of Judah. The Babylonians had come in and they had destroyed the city. And not only that, they had destroyed the temple, the temple that Solomon had built. Historians sometimes call it the first temple. And so uh, this, this book is meant to be, again, a funeral dirge, a funeral sermon uh, a, a requiem for this great national defeat and humiliation that Israel had undergone. The ancient uh, Jews grouped this book along with four other shorter books in the Old Testament, the books of Ruth, Esther, the Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and Lamentations, and they called them the Megilot, or the Five Scrolls, reading them in the synagogue at various special occasions and contemporary Jews continue to do the same. Again, the focus for the Lamentations is the fall and destruction of Jerusalem, in particular, the destruction of the temple. And Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, had been a first-person eyewitness of all these events. He had seen the Babylonians come in. He had prophesied it. And then sadly, he had to see the fulfillment of this word as the Babylonians came in, these heathen, these pagans, and they had destroyed the city, humiliated, committed war atrocities and carried off their captives. And then just a few years after that had happened, we think around the year 586 B.C., 586 years before Christ, the Babylonians came in, destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, Three years later, 583 B.C., 583 years before Christ, Jeremiah was carried off by a group of militant, zealot Jews to Egypt. And we talked about this last time. It's recorded in Jeremiah 43, verses 1 through 7. It, it's, it's probably hard for us to conceptualize what a jarring and unsettling and chaotic thing it was for ancient Jews to see the destruction of Jerusalem 
and especially of the temple of Solomon. This was the place where God dwelt. And many believed that God would never allow Jerusalem to fall, never allow the temple to fall. And they just couldn't imagine it. Maybe we could draw a a comparison to 9-11 and the shock that many people experienced when they saw the destruction of the Twin Towers or uh, the the damage that was done to the Pentagon. And um, I've I've thought, when I've uh, taught about the destruction of the temple, I've drawn parallels to a film of a few years back, some years back, many years back now, I always date myself if I ever mention a film because I don't watch very many, haven't watched many recent ones. But anyway, in this film, um, of course, there's this alien invasion and the aliens use this, um, this weapon they have to destroy the White House and the, the Lincoln Memorial and so forth. And uh, you know, when you watch that, and it was you know, newer kind of uh, technology to see that, Many people in the theater were jarred because to think about these things being destroyed, uh, maybe for our English friend, if there was ever a destruction of, uh, of Big Ben or, or Buckingham Palace or something, it would be jarring because those places are centers of the national life. And so that's what it was like for the Israelites to see Jerusalem destroyed, to see the temple destroyed. This caused great cognitive dissonance. And all of that, theologically, where is God? Why didn't God protect them? Why didn't he step in and intervene and stop this from happening? And so the book of Lamentations is this first person of the prophet pouring out his heart in grief over this great national catastrophe. And just look at, let's just look at Lamentations 1. And let's just flow a few thoughts that that appear on this. Not only was it the destruction of the temple, this meant that the place where they were supposed to worship, how could they obey Leviticus? How could they have the sacrifices? The temple's been destroyed. Uh, where the, the, the temple was the place that where there were copies of the law, authoritative copies of the law that were kept. And all these things have been destroyed. So let's just, let's just flow a little bit of this. Look at chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. The ways of Zion do mourn because none come to the solemn feast. All her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh. Her virgins are afflicted and she is in bitterness. Her adversaries are the chief. Her enemies prosper for the Lord hath afflicted her. For the multitude of her transgressions, her children are gone into captivity before the enemy. Look at verse 7. Jerusalem remembered in the days of her affliction and of her miseries all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old. When her people fell into the hand of the enemy and none did help her, the adversaries saw her and did mock her Sabbath. See, they were supposed to keep the Sabbath. And the, and the all the other special Sabbaths, like the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover, and with the temple being destroyed, these pagans and heathens were mocking them. You Jews have no place to celebrate your Sabbath. If you look at Lamentations 1.10, the adversary has spread out his hands upon all her pleasant things. 
For she hath seen that the heathen entered into her sanctuary, whom thou didst command that they should not enter into thy congregation. Pagan, uncircumcised pagans had walked into the temple area. And those of you who have been with us on Wednesday nights, and we looked at Daniel, there's that description in Daniel 5 of when the, the pagan kings had the utensils, the vessels that were used in the temple and they were desecrating them and using them to drink wine and have parties. Well, the heathen were, were doing profane things and where was God? Why had God allowed this? Lamentations 1.18, the Lord is righteous for I have rebelled against his commandment. Here I pray you all people and behold my sorrow. My virgins and my young men are gone into captivity. Think of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel. The best of the best, the cream of the crop had been carried off and been slaves. Some had been emasculated, made eunuchs. While others had simply been killed. Look at chapter 2, verse 4. Speaking of the Lord, it says, He hath bent his bow like an enemy. He stood with his right hand as, the, as an adversary and slew all that were pleasant to the eye in the tabernacle of the daughter of Zion. He poured out his fury like fire. Chapter 2, verse 6. And he hath violently taken away his tabernacle as if it were a garden. He hath destroyed his places of the assembly. The Lord hath caused the solemn feasts and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion. And hath despised in the indignation of his anger the king and the priest. He allowed the failure of all the three great offices of ancient Israel. The king and the prophet and the priest. All those offices had failed. Look at uh, Lamentations 2.9. Her gates are sunk into the ground. He hath destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the Gentiles. The law is no more. There's no more law. There are no more guidelines. There's no more right and wrong. Her prophets also find no vision from the Lord. God has has cut off his communications with them. As you read through the book of Lamentations, you'll find there's something very contemporary about this book especially in light of the events of the past few weeks in Israel. Jeremiah and his fellow Israelites had observed firsthand the atrocities of war and the sufferings of what we would call uh, uh, civilian and non-combatant atrocities. If modern war is cruel... Ancient war was even worse. Look at Lamentations chapter 5, verses 11 and following. They ravished the women in Zion and the maids in the cities of Judah. They had seen their wives and their daughters ravished. Princes are hanged up by their hands. The faces of elders were not honored. They took the young men to grind and the children fell under the wood. In other words, they laid stops upon them and they enslaved them. The elders have ceased from the gate, the young men from their music. The joy of our heart is ceased. I mean, talk about a, a, a statement of despair. 
Anybody here ever said, the joy of my heart has ceased? That's what Jeremiah said. Our dance is turned into mourning. The crown is fallen from our head. Woe unto us that we have sinned. And so now we can see, can't we, how fittingly that this is called a, a book of lamentations. In response to this, Jeremiah the prophet could only once again weep. Again, he's known as the weeping prophet, and we have those places in the book of Jeremiah where he weeps. But now uh, he weeps and wails all the more as he reflects upon what he has seen, the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. Look at uh, Lamentations 1 and verse 16. For these things I weep. Mine eye, mine eye runneth down with water because the comforter that should relieve my soul is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. Likewise, look at chapter 2, verse 11. Mine eyes do fail with tears. My bowels are troubled. My liver is poured upon the earth for the destruction of the daughter of my people because the children and the suckling swoon in the streets of the city. He's talking about having cried, having wailed so much over this, having grieved so much of it that his stomach is in a knot and he's sick and he's throwing up. He's, we, he's, he's wailed and wept so much about this. Look at chapter 3, verses 48 through 49. Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of mine people. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission, verse 50, till the Lord look down and behold from heaven. I'm going to cry and I'm going to cry and I'm going to weep until God finally relents and looks down upon my pitiful situation. Well, again, it's a, it's a, maybe it's not, a, maybe it's not a, uh, an accident that, that we, don't, we don't read much this book or preach much from it because it has so many discouraging things in it. But like I said, I think it's a book. I think it's a resource for the church. It's a bit like the book of Job. And it's here for us, if you weren't aware of it, as a spiritual resource for you. When you go through a difficulty or when you face a loss, it might be a book that you might turn to. One of the things that should be noted about the, the book of Lamentations, and this is something that might escape our notice if, if, if we only read the English translation, is the fact that the book of Lamentations is a very complex and very well thought out literary document. If, if you know anything about Hebrew, Hebrew is a language that consists of 22 letters. And in Hebrew, you make poetry, typically not by rhyming, but you make uh, poetry th uh, through parallels. And you make a statement and then you repeat it using different words. That's, that's what Hebrew poetry is usually like. You find that in the Psalms and the Proverbs. But there's an, also another kind of Hebrew poetry that's called an acrostic. And an acrostic is when you have a poem and each line begins with a different consecutive letter of the alphabet. In Hebrew, the first three letters are Aleph, 
Beit, and Gimel, much like ABC. And so if you have an acrostic, the first line or the first verse will start with the letter A, the, the Aleph. The second line with the, the bait. The third, le- the third line with the gimel. So you would start the sentence with a, a, a le- the letter A. Start the next sentence with letter B. Start the next sentence or verse with the letter C and so forth. This is called an acrostic. And again, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And again, this is a form of poetry you find elsewhere within the Bible. Psalm 119, for example, is the longest of the Psalms. has 176 verses. Psalm 119 is an acrostic. It's made up of 22 sections, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, where there are eight lines that all begin with the first letter of the alphabet, eight lines that begin with the second letter of the alphabet, eight lines that begin with the third letter of the alphabet, Eight times 22 is 176. It's 176 verses in length. Look at Lamentations for a moment now. Look at Lamentations chapter 1. How many verses are in Lamentations 1? 22. Well, if you could read it in Hebrew, every one of those verses starts with a, with a consecutive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Look at chapter t- Lamentations chapter 2. How many verses does it have? 22. It's an acrostic poem. Every single one of those verses starts with a consecutive lettering of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, look at chapter 3. How many verses does it have? 66, which is 3 times 22. And if you, if you look at it in the Hebrew, what it does is... It gives you three consecutive verses that all start with the same letter. And then three more, and then three more, and then three more. So it has 22 trios of verses. Look at chapter 4. How many verses in Lamentations chapter 4? 22. It also is an acrostic poem with each verse starting with a different consecutive letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Now, to throw things off a little bit, though, look at Lamentations 5. How many verses does it have? 22. But in this last, ver- in this last chapter, although there are 22 verses, it's not an acrostic. And so the different verses start with different letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And there's some meaning to that. You get all this orderly structure and then at the end, there's this one where the, 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 the pattern is broken. And so that, that sort of reflects what's going on in this lamentation. Everything was orderly, and now everything is broken apart. Yet on the other hand, there is an underlying order. Because God is there. Chapter um, 6, let's go back, or chapter 3 rather, let's go back to this. When you think about this, the book of Lamentations... You've got chapter 1, chapter 2, 22 verses. Chapter 4, chapter 5, 22 verses. And in the center is chapter 3, 66 verses. The literal, physical center of the book of Lamentations is chapter 3. And many believe that the the, the center of chapter 3 is Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 24. 
Some call it the center of the book of Lamentations. Just like, if, remember when we went through the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount and we were going through Matthew and we noted, we noted that, the, that the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6 verses 9 through 13, is the center of the Sermon on the Mount. There are about as many verses in front of it as there are behind it. It sort of serves as the center. And here, this little statement is at the center. In the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of all this loss, in the midst of all this grief, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Lamentations 3.22, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. You can use Lamentations as a spiritual resource. You can, you can read of it. You can say in Lamentations 5.15, the joy of our heart is ceased. Our dance is turned into mourning, but you better go back finally to Lamentations 3, 22 through 24 and say, even in the midst of all this, his mercies are new every morning and he's still faithful. No matter what I might suffer, what, what, no matter what I might have to go through. And get, again, Lamentations is very much like the book of Job. What does Job do? He loses everything, loses his, his stock, loses his children. And he says, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He worships. And similarly here, uh, Jeremiah is reminding us that even though we must endure the worst sufferings, pains and losses, spiritual desolation, God is there and he is sovereign. And uh, look at the very end now of Lamentations. And I think this, again, is significant as well. Look how it ends. It ends with theology. Lamentations chapter 5 verse 19. Thou, O Lord, remaineth forever. Thy throne from generation to generation. Though Jerusalem is destroyed, though the temple is destroyed, God remains the same from everlasting to everlasting. His throne will never be overthrown. He asked the question in Lament, verse 20, Wherefore dost thou forget us forever and forsake us so long time? And then he, he cries out his prayer, his petition for himself and for his nation. Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. But thou hast utterly rejected us. Thou art very wroth against us. And yet his prayer, his plea, is that the Lord might again turn them toward himself. Well, finally, let me just flow one more theme that will emanate from the book of Lamentations and flow through the, the, the remainder of Scripture. Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. He wept over the fall of Jerusalem. And... Look over for a second in Matthew 23 to a description of Christ during his earthly incarnational ministry. And as he went to the cross and he was nearing Jerusalem, 
the city where he would die upon the cross, he wept over that city. Not because it had been destroyed as it had been in the days of Jeremiah, but because of what would happen, the rejection of him. And so he, he said, as Matthew records it, Matthew 23, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered, gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till you say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So their house was left desolate because they rejected Christ. And then let's flow it to one more passage. Look at Revelation 21. Revelation 21, near the end of Holy Scripture, when John has a vision of the new Jerusalem. Look at Revelation 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, And heard a great voice come out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And then look at verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Jeremiah wept over fallen Jerusalem to the Babylonians. Christ wept over Jerusalem that had rejected him. But there's coming a day when there will be a new Jerusalem and all tears will be wiped away and it will be the triumph, the rule, and the reign of God. And so even as we profit from the book of Lamentations, let us remember Uh, the day that will come when there will be no more tears. Amen? Let me invite you to stand together. Let's join in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we give thee thanks for the scriptures which address all areas of our life when we are uh, filled with great joy and satisfaction, when we have experienced fear, anxiety, uh, when we are angry, when we are filled with righteous indignation at the injustices of this world, and when uh, we are filled with grief and despair, uh, your scriptures speak to us and they point us to our suffering Savior and they point us toward our glorious King who is coming with power and glory at the end of the ages. Help us, O God, to be uh, uh, nurtured by thy word, to be kept in the faith, awaiting the day of the, the final triumph of thy kingdom. We ask this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.